Yes, we are live, we pray. <laughs> Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship welcomes you to Kingdom Conversations where we are going to have prophetic encounters and supernatural, supernatural encounters, prophetic encounters. What's the name of this program? Supernatural and prophetic encounters with the word of God. Why is it so hard to remember that subtitle? Because I'm not thinking about it when I say it, that's why. Nevertheless, welcome. Thank I'm you. Pastor Lindsay Lee, live, coming to you live from our home studio stage uh, sanctuary at 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard in San Jose, California. Kingdom Conversations always have, it's an unscripted type of conversation that we open up by prayer and we listen for what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. We deal with it in a lot of uh, ways, experiencing, um, I'll tell you this, it's really unscripted. I can have an idea of what I believe I'm supposed to talk about based on earlier conversations with people and all that type of stuff and then get here and completely forget everything that we thought that we were going to talk about and get into an entirely different conversation completely. So I'm as surprised as you are by what it is that we end up saying. But what I am sure of is that we begin by talking to the one who will be speaking uh, through me and to all of us, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. So let's get that part started, and then we'll move into the flow. For those of you that are used to seeing me, you'll notice that I'm without um, the usual electronic uh, tools, but that's okay because when I think about when I first started teaching the Bible, I didn't have any electronic tools, so it's simply basics, and I just can't wait to see what's going to happen tonight. <laughs> Holy Spirit, you are welcome, you are worthy, and I am so grateful to you for the encounters that you privilege myself and all the people that I know to have with you through the Word of God. We thank you for the true supernatural power that comes by the written and the spoken word of God. We thank you for the supernatural power that is released through the blood of Jesus, through the name of Jesus. It is awesome to be a part of the family of God. And I choose to breathe and to rest and to Thanking you for your mercy and everything else that we have. Wow. Just wow. That's all I have to say. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you. Huh. Yeah. Say it again. Thank you. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll pray some more later. I hope you all are able to hear us. What, one of the things that we have is because we have two different iPads that we're using, one to record and one to go live, and we have two sets of microphones that we have hooked up. So what happens is it's like, oh, we think we got this one hooked up to that, and, and uh, we may not. So if they have to do a few technical things, especially if they're having sound, uh, problems with sound, 
it would just be because you have the wrong eye rig. So anyway, it would be little stuff like that. And um, we do a lot because we're building a production company. I want to let y'all that watch us uh, on a regular basis, you'll notice that things change a lot. We're learning some things. We're blessed to have people in our in our midst that know uh, are more advanced in knowledge on how to produce different programs. But what we want to do is create quality. We don't have to do this live. We can just do it the way that we would typically do a Wednesday night Bible study. But the Holy Spirit has impressed upon our, our apostle, Dr. Baker, he's impressed it upon myself, upon the people of this house, that the words that he wants to speak through us, he wants them to be uh, put together in such a way that they can go elsewhere in the world. And so what we had to think about, and what I say to everyone, is that you have to think about the fact that even when you're small in number, that doesn't mean that you're not global. That God has never looked at the size of our house, of our ministry, and determined that we, because of our numbers, that we would be limited in the message that he wants to, to release through us. And that's why I am very, very grateful for the apostle that, of this house and the fact that we get the caliber of message that comes directly from the spirit of the living God and that there is a refusal to compromise. That's the standard for our house. We know that there are things that we say that cut to the quick. They cut to the place where you've been walking around in a stale existence and to cut to the quick is to, to touch something. Maybe you say it strikes a nerve, but really what it's doing is showing you that's where you live and all the rest of this stuff is unnecessary. And so I say all that to say that's, that's the direction that we're, we're moving in. We don't care if you actually know we got lights and umbrellas and this is a backdrop and this is going on and that's going on. That's all part of the production itself. But what we do like to do is try to get things in order, and if we have to fix something, we let you know, hey, we're going to fix this while we continue on, because it's not a secret. If you were sitting here, you'd see it. And we're not pretending to be anything. All we're doing is striving for excellence. And there's a kingdom standard that we will attain. And so I can just invite you to stay tuned as we just grow better and better. As we grow larger, that's also awesome. But we're very scriptural about our growth. The Bible says, and the Lord added daily. So we expect that when you come to us, you, it's because the Lord added you and that you have a function and that you are very welcome to be a part of what we're doing. So if you have a critique for us, that's great, as long as you provide a solution as well. But if you have a criticism, swallow that, or better yet, spit it out, and then open your ears to hear what is being said because regardless of all of the backdrop, the frills, or what, or what is lacking, the truth is, is that the word will not be withheld from you, and we won't compromise on what it is that we have to deliver. So I release that to whoever needs it, and move on. See, that wasn't scripted. <laughs> um, tell Leslie, forget it, it's okay. All right, all right, so what we're having as you know, is spirit-to-spirit -spirit conversations. And I've had some interesting, we're having a conversation, I should say, about the spirit-to-spirit -spirit life. 
And why we're doing that and we're staying on that is because when we return or when I start moving in to more conversations about the power-filled blood of Jesus, I have never stopped with that, and the voice that speaks forth, that all of these other components to it will, will add to your understanding. So questions, I say write them down or text them or uh, Crystal is available in our house for those that are um, that know her number you can send that message you can put it in the comments underneath the broadcast itself and we have a few moderators Frederick Johnson comes to mind um, that will go ahead and respond to you or send the relative questions um, we also have what else do we have um, we have friends and family that, that join in with us and um, we go from there and if we're not actually live then you can still post your questions because we'll look for those later and then we'll just go ahead you can give it to me and um, we'll we'll look for those later thank you and we'll still answer them in a later broadcast or something of that sort so here this is a conversation I've been having with someone about the spirit to spirit life and I want to start with John chapter 4 and we're going to look at something that Jesus was speaking to the woman that he met at the well. I could go into all of the different things about why this was so interesting and what the legalities are of a man, this man speaking to this woman and all of that, but that's really, really, really not the direction that we need to go. What I want to talk about instead is the conversation that he had with her because it's interesting that every person that Jesus spoke to in the earth was dead in spirit nobody was born again not a single individual that ever got healed in the time that Jesus walked the earth was born from above and I love that because when you point that out it wipes out all false theology that says that a person has to be good enough to be deserving of healing no one is deserving of healing. It's a grace and a gift of God. And actually, the Bible says in Mark, I believe it is, that healing is a sign. That the, that the healings that are released to all of us are a sign from God. Because Jesus told them, these signs shall follow those that believe in my name. You will do these things. I did not, Jesus did not judge, gauge worthiness of anybody before he released healing. He didn't gauge worthiness before he released forgiveness. He didn't gauge uh, their degree, you know, how they look, uh, where they came from. That's why it was so interesting with the Samaritan woman, because he was sent to the Jews. He was sent to the house of Israel. But there were what they referred to as Gentiles, people that were, did not come under that covenant that still would seek him out. And why did they do that? They did that so that um, you understood they were making a pull on the anointing of God for a future time. He was sent in his earthly ministry to a select group of people, but the ministry that he released into the earth was for all mankind. He did not die for a select group of people. He died for all, and we know this because you read the famous John 3.16, and the scripture tells you that God so loved, it didn't say the Jews, it didn't say God so loved Israel. That's something that being sent from that house, you would think, well, why wouldn't he, he say, uh, you know, um, for God so loved Israel only, 
that he was only going to give salvation to the Jews. And it doesn't say that. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave. And he was speaking to a Jew when he said it. He said, not just you, not just this, these tribes, but for people that we have not even met, a people we have not seen for the, for the, um, for the woman from, that, that came, the Syrophoenician woman that came on behalf of her daughter, the centurion that was a part of the very government that ruled over uh, that, that section where they were, that the Romans that were trying to strip away all of their identity. And he still was releasing healing into that household. Yes, the man's servant was a Jew, but that didn't have anything to do with it because the man's servant didn't come and ask for anything. This man said, I understand he has a covenant with you and I'm gonna to go to the top and I'm asking you to do this on his behalf. And the Bible lets you know when you read in the Old Testament, the uh, uh, Naaman, the king, that, or the, the, the man that came forth that truly was a heathen and was told to dip in the water and he had a servant girl that understood that she uh, uh, an extension of covenant and said if he had told he asked you to do something great wouldn't you have done it so why does it matter to you how you get healed by God as long as you know it is from God and why I want you to look at the quality and I know I'm skipping around a little bit but I, I want us to understand something you see because you have people that have a mindset this is religion and they say that God healed them or they went to a service and this happened and that happened and they got a healing. And then because things, circumstances, life, whatever it is takes place, they'll, they'll have symptoms that return. And so they believe that they lost their healing. And I don't see that really lining up with what God did. Because if you, if you are capable of what you call losing your healing, then he didn't give you anything that was meant to last. You see, healing is always available. Scripture tells us in certain things the Spirit of God was present to heal, that this was going on because, because really Jesus was stirring up the atmosphere because he and Holy Spirit had had this time of fellowship together. And he's releasing to him I want to activate more of why I sent you in this setting. Mayhap, it's because there were so many more people sick. I don't know what the dynamics were. I don't know what the ratio was. But what I do understand is that the compassion of God was flowing to such a degree that he was able to move by the compassion of God because Jesus wasn't doing anything on his own. I just feel like it or I don't feel like it. Why is that important? Because that means we don't live that way either. I did this for these people because I just felt like doing it. Well, okay, great. So that was about you. But when you do those things for these people because God wants it done, it elevates what you do to a, uh, to a place, to a quality that lets it be known. This is not a whimsical thing. Healing is not whimsical. Oh, well, I feel healed, so I am healed. What happens is that we have not trained ourselves to take what God has and make it a permanent fixture for us. So you get a half-baked deliverance because you only perceived it to be that. 
and the fight that has to take place, which is the fight of faith. And we're going to talk a little bit about what the fight of faith is from the spirit perspective. But you have to hold fast to what belongs to you. If he gives it, he's like, well, nothing is mine. It all belongs to God. Yes. Then call yourself a steward of the healing. If you want to go the religious route, go. But call yourself something different so that you can keep what's been entrusted to you. Wholeness, health, is not a joke. We have mistreated ourselves and, and, and done things because we were used to it. And some people say, well, no, not me. I've always kept a healthy regime and so forth and so on. And I applaud that. I don't, I'm not even going to say anything negative to that. But I say then you need to take that same ability and look to the Lord to find out where where, where it's lacking and let him do it. Now, if you've done it, you're going to get tired. When he does it, you flow in it. When you come to the end of yourself, that's a very good place. It's a new beginning in, in God. Because we have to end certain things. We have to end the way we perceive our lives and the way that we steward them, the way we steward the breath of God and the things that we allow. Can you imagine somebody saying, well, I'm a very healthy person and I don't bring, I don't allow any toxins or poisons, and they're talking whether it be cigarette smoke or illicit drugs or al uh, forms of alcohol or um, certain kinds of foods, I don't eat sugars, I don't do this, I don't do this, and they can really, really bore you with everything that they don't do because they're so, so freaking perfect. And it's not interesting. And the reason it's not interesting is not because you don't care that the person is healthy. The reason it's not interesting is because they never gave glory to anyone but themselves. That's why we're not impressed with each other as much as we're impressed with ourselves. But if we could take that ability to be impressed and elevate it to a higher degree and become impressed with God, then we would live far better lives than we do because we would be more open to blessing him, thanking him, being grateful to him instead of nitpicking at the way things are done and telling them this is not what I want. And as, a, as though our sense of perfection is greater than his. Am I talking to the right people? Yes, yes. Okay. All right. So, so what he says here in John chapter 4 after he's at the at the well, and we were familiar with this woman at the well, and that he told her when she, after he told her things about her own life, verse 19 it says that she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then she moved into that. So she said, now that I know I'm talking to a prophet, then I'm going to say things to you that I would not necessarily say to someone else. She didn't deny anything that he said. She says, I perceive. And so she has to have had, to a certain degree, some familiarity with how a prophet operates. That I find interesting because she's Samaritan. And yet she's saying, sir, I perceive, that means I know by a means other than just myself, that you are a prophet. This spirit that is upon you even if she did not fellowship with the Holy Spirit, which she did not, she still recognized that because they did believe in God. I recognize that that which is coming from you is not 
uh, is not the words of an ordinary man. So what she was really saying, we think, oh, he totally shamed her. No, he did not. He told her about herself. And she knew, if you're a prophet, I need to pay attention to you because it means that God is speaking to me. You gotta recall in our history of what we understand about the Old Testament, that the prophet was the voice of God. And that when they heard from, even though they had a king that was the governmental rule, the prophet was the voice of God. The prophet came, the signs and wonders of God came through the prophets, the miraculous things happened through the prophets. The voice of God was heard when the prophet spoke. And to have a prophet come into their midst, she wasn't looking for a word. She was looking for a way out. Can you see the difference? Mm -hmm. Modern day, we're all like, well, I just need prophet so-and-so did this and this prophet did that. And we've disdained the office and we've disdained the power of the word of God to speak to our lives. Because what do you want? You want the prophet to speak to you about what's coming to you, how great you're going to be. What doors, new doors are going to open? I, none of that. Not one thing uh, am I belittling. Because a prophet can only say to you, a true prophet, will only say to you what God directs him or her to say. And they can only speak according to what God has already said. This is where Psalm 139, Behold, these things have been spoken You wrote, well, in the book that you wrote about me. You have outlined my life. You have already, he's talked about the book of life. He's talked about the different things that he has done. He has spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. He was speaking to a people, but it was not an all-inclusive word that did not have the ability to expand out. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. I know what I have in mind. I know what it is that I want to do. I know your, the plans. I've known you, he told Jeremiah. Remember, he told him in the very first introduction we get, he says, I knew you before I formed you, I knew who you were. I, had, I carried you around within myself before I ever released the words that would release you. This is how complex God is. This is why he is not a joke and he is not to be taken for granted. And the honor and the privilege that he has extended to us to be able to know him. We have missed out on great opportunities because we've tried to relate to God from our minds. That's new age. It's not scripture. It's religion. It's not relationship. Okay? You with me so far? We've got to get to the mind of Christ. And when people who are ignorant of who Christ is, Jesus Christ is, they're not talking about Jesus. They're talking about what they call the Christ consciousness. And they're talking a whole bunch of hooey. Just, let's just bottom line it. Because you see, when you listen to all these things that distance him and exalt you, you understand, no, you're a devil speaking, and you're trying to get me further away from him. And I'm not going to accept a counterfeit in my life. I want him. I don't want this. That's when you start to go, because passion people go well I'm I'm not a passionate person it's like well then you're not reflecting God because he is what you're doing is you're looking at what your emotions are we don't have this as a slide but I want you all to write this down 
okay? You're gonna, um, these are I am and I am not statements. So here's what your statement is. I am not an emotion. That's like, duh, we know this. Hmm. <laughs> I am not a body of emotion, okay? I am not what I feel. Your feelings, your emotions do not define you. And much of the time when people say things like, well, I'm not very, I'm not very emotional. And what they mean by that is I don't, I don't animate. I don't show a lot of enthusiasm. I'm not a person that's really enthusiastic about anything. That's actually a lie. Why? If you're born from above. If you're not. If Jesus is not dwelling in you, okay, I believe you. But once he is, y'all got to give up the excuse. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says in 1 John, as he is, so are we in this world. And from the time that you received Jesus, from the time that you have, have done the Romans 10, 9 and 10 and 13 thing, then what has happened to you is that you have become a new creation. You have become this new species of living because you've become a carrier of eternal life. And you're meant to start living it here, right here where you are. So after she says this, I perceive that you were a prophet. And then she switched over. She went into, I, I kind of think of it as religious mode in a way. But she says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Now I'm going to just give you distinctions between your denomination and mine. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you all say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now, what was important about this? Jesus says to this lady, you know what? All the time that y'all have been going on with this whole thing about God, you have limited, you have been limited in your understanding and your life by believing that the only place that you can worship him is at a certain geographical location. Now, does that line up with you? Any of you ever hear Oh, what, uh, have you ever been told you can just take communion at home and something in your heart went, I can't take communion at home because I'm not a preacher. When I was coming up in the good old uh, denomination I was in, if you were not a minister, you could not take communion. They could bring it to you or usually you had to come to the church and you had to be this and you had to be all these qualifications of what it is. They said, well, you can't take communion if you're not born from above. Well, they're not really interested in it. They'll just go get wine and bread, cheese, and have it that way. They ain't interested in your communion. They got a communion. And we were so caught up in the rules and the regulations of the religion of Christianity that we completely <laughs> missed it. And we became what we're not. And we started thought, looking, okay, I'm Christian, so that, what are the rules? What are the rules? Because if I'm going to be a Christian, I told y'all, I came in under the behavior modification plan. When I was born from above, I came in under, okay, I'm going to be good because I was such a heathen. <laughs> I was a straight-up heathen. And, and I got other words for it, but I'll be nice today. Okay. Um, so when I came into Christianity, 
after the latest date rape and all the other nonsense that you go through, it's like, oh, my life is just so bad. I'm going to go. I'm going to church. I'm going to be good. Right? I'm going to church. I'm going to be good. I'm going to start being a good person. I'm no longer going to be this other person because she's a hot mess. I'm going to come. I came to church. I prayed the prayer because, you know, pray. Assume the position, please. And, okay, I'm a Christian. I told my friends. They said, bye, and they were gone because you're not going to be any fun anymore. I was a lot of fun. No, not really. I was a depressed individual, and I had mood swings that went from one end of the pendulum to the other, and I leaked everywhere. All kinds of emotions and, 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 and things, and I was phony and a whole lot of other stuff, but that was supposed to be big fun. See, now you got saved. You ain't going to be fun anymore. I wasn't fun. I was dead, all right? But if you're dead with me, we think this is the life. Does that make sense? Regardless of what you did, you didn't have to live the heathen style. I did, and, I, and as a heathen goes, I was pretty lightweight. Okay? I don't have any, like, bad-to-the-bone stories. Because when it got bad, I went home. <laughs> All right? So even as a heathen, I was a hypocrite. And I think hypocrite was the best word to define me, and so I brought my hypocrisy into religion. But we called it Christianity. And so my first lesson in Christianity in the church I went to is these are the rules. Because you're so, you have to wear a slip under your dress. You, have to, you don't talk to these men. You don't do this. You don't do this, 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 you don't do this. What do we do? We eat, we go to church, we eat, we go to church, we eat, we go to church. That's all we did. We went to church and we went out to eat. Then we went to church, then we went out to eat. And in between, oh, we shot y'all characters down. Did you see her? Helen was here. Oh. She came to church, really. You know, that kind of thing, right? Because that's the other thing we did, but we didn't tell you that. We ate, we went to church, we talked about y'all, and then we went back to church. Nobody lived that Christian life but me, I guess. That's a good Christian right there. Why was I a good Christian? My church attendance. Never missed a meeting. Church door open. My, my brother said, his grandfather used to say, y'all act like y'all got to be the first ones that open the doors of the church. It's like, well, I don't know about that, but this is my whole social life right here. I got nothing else. Because as soon as I told my heathen friends that I was going to church and I was going to be a Jesus person, they were like, what kind of Jesus person? Like the Jesus people we meet in the clubs? Or one of those real ones? Some of y'all caught that. I met a lot of Jesus people at the club. Hey, girl, you can come home with me, but you're going to have to leave by 6 because I'm a deacon in my church, and I got to get there. So, yeah, I met some Jesus people, all right? But I didn't meet people that knew Jesus. Are you with me so far? We're yes, going someplace yes, with this. Yes. All right, so here it is. What are the rules? Because she says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you all say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Y'all say you got to be Baptist. Y'all say you can't, you can't be Baptist. You got to be Pentecostal. Y'all say if you're going to worship God, you're going to have to be this. Y'all say you don't have to, you got to come to this. You got to do this. You got to be baptized only in his name. Or you can't do it this way. Y'all say a lot of stuff. 
God says that I didn't say. So how much of that do you have in you? That's the stuff he wants to get out of us. Yes. You got it? Yeah. I don't have the answers. He's the answer. I'm not the Bible answer anything. The Bible answers itself. But what I can do is listen to him and let him speak to us and point us to what he wants us to understand so that we can get the phony baloney out. And again, you wrote down, those of you that came in later, what you're writing down on a piece of paper is, I am not emotions. I'm not an emotion, okay? And what was the other one? I am not... I'm not a body of emotions. I think there's a second statement. What I feel. And I'm not what I feel. Well, then what am I? If I can't be what I feel, then what am I supposed to be? Because many people will feel that. I also want to say this. Many times when this kind of teaching goes on, because we're stripping away the varnish, we're stripping away a lot of facade that we have had that we've been very comfortable with, the spirits that are connected to that hear me very clearly i'm not telling anybody in this place that you have a demon you got me i'm not telling you that but i will tell you that demons are assigned to 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 get you off track and to prohibit you from ever hearing truth those are assigned to families to generations people refer to them as generational curses and and things of this sort. These are demonic assignments against your family that have always worked. We'll just work within their weaknesses and they'll never rise. That's why I come from a lot of folks that are fat or bald or mean or addicted to things. And I'm sure many of you do too or super skinny. I mean, to the point that it's it's not, they almost look unhealthy. Or you come from a family of, of hoarders, okay? Well, if you come from a family of hoarders, people that have to have everything and, and you go into their, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying, and you look at everything that they have that they'll never use and, and they don't even know what they have, it's a poverty mentality at work against your family. You come around people that have to always have money, always got to get it, got to get it, got to get it, got to get it. It's the same poverty spirit, it's just working at the opposite end. So don't assume, well, if it's poverty, it's broke and poor. No, it's a lot of things. And it, it works from one end to the other. Because you see, some people are like, I don't care what kind of devils are assigned. I ain't living in a hut. So the Spirit says, okay, then I'll teach you about so-called pseudo-prosperity. I won't teach you about God's prosperity, but I'll let you use the principles, and I'll entice you away from him by showing you that you did it your way. Pride always works with these things. There's always a sprinkling of pride. It's a, it's a stew of, of different things. And so meanness, unforgiveness, you know, if you've got a family of people, we hold grudges, man, we can hold a grudge. We, my, they, the feuds, you know, the Joneses and the Smiths or the this and the this, and they've had these family feuds that have gone on forever. Why? Because the assignment against them was the spirit of unforgiveness and pride and judgments and bitterness. They are bitter, mean, ugly people. I don't care how pretty they are on the outside. That inside, that inward person, and they're susceptible to heart conditions. It's, de it's designed, why? To keep them sick because the spirit of affirmity has been assigned to you. 
you notice if they're real bitter mean people they probably talk a lot about how their back is hurting or they have headaches <laughs> or something uh, some, or certain other symptoms that they'll talk about that are connected spiritually speaking to an assignment i'm not telling again i'm not telling you it's a demon in the person i'm saying that it's the suggestion that has been rolled in there that y'all because we are the ones that have the authority in the earth we're the humans and as we perpetuate a demonic agenda or a god agenda we're going to see the fruit or the rottenness of the thing are you with your understanding yes. so in that sense a lot of what you face in life is because of what you believe and you can change what you believe you can change from and anything that's really horrid typically comes from believing a lie about yourself or about others or about god Don't sing ever again. Give me that old time religion. I want none of it. I don't want any of it old time. I want refreshed, new, real, authentic, eternal relationship. And that's what he offered here. So she said, but you all say that in Jerusalem is the place where men worship. And Yeshua said to her in verse 21, woman, believe me, the hour is coming. And in some versions it says, and is now here. When neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Your geographical location is just about to be knocked out. You worship what you do not know. Now that line right there, you worship what you do not know. We have prayed prayers. We learned this in our intercession prayers this week in our prayer, one of our prayer team calls. That all this time we called ourselves, oh honey, we can pray. We, we know we can pray. We, we got this thing down and so forth and so on and the Holy Spirit let us know well all that was nice but now I want you to show you how to actually do it and when he took us into a place of intercession we recognized we have never seen this caliber before we had just moved from our natural understanding of what it is that we do in our own definition of how we serve God to what God is actually saying and when you move to that you start moving into this spirit dimension which is necessary because the next thing you want to write down is I am a spirit I am a spirit okay I am not a body of emotions I am not uh, whatever else the thing was I said thank you I'm not what I feel thank you <laughs> okay I don't have notes for this um, I am a spirit this is our authentic authentic identity that's why we live in different color houses. That's why, which is our physical bodies. And we come from different cultural things, but we're not our culture. Do you understand that you're not your culture? I, I, I know people that have skin like mine, color-wise or similar to it, but they were raised in households. I, I grew up with uh, kids that down the street. You know, we always, because it was this, the era that we were in, uh, it was it was important to, to claim your black and your proud or your um, you know well we had we had a gang of kids that were the the, the the neighborhood was very integrated so we had people from Hawaii we had people from um, Asia we had people from back east we had people from, <laughs> that's a whole different culture of people right there too because I'm a native Californian I don't know who these people are right we had people from Mexico we had people from anywhere on the globe you want to say we had an 
a very integrated street, even to the fact that there were multicultural families with, in some of the houses it was a black father and, um, or, or, and um, a Filipino mother or a, a white mother or a Mexican mother and, and, and there were just different things. Now here's my point. So all the kids, we just adopted each other as siblings. If you lived on the street, you were family. Yes. <laughs> and that's the way it was. If you mess with them, you mess with us. So anybody familiar with what was that TV show, old, very old TV show, Our Gang or The uh, Little Rascals? Okay, The Little Rascals, and you saw all those little kids integrated like that? That's what, what we were like. And so we claim each other as sister and brother and so forth. But we had one family, if you looked at them, their skin tones were very similar. They had a black father and their mother was from the Philippines. Their grandfather and grandmother were there and they, they went through the whole thing. So you would say, oh yeah, they, they're, they're, they're black, but what they were, the way they were raised, no, they were actually Asian. Why? The way they talked, the food they ate, the traditions that they had, uh, grandfather answering the door with the little machete thing. Uh, <laughs> the auntie babies, baby, babies and uncle, uncle boys and all the other stuff that went as a part of the culture. They looked like us, but inside the house, it was another country. It was another culture. You go into different homes along the street, one that's very Afrocentric, another one that's very, very, oh my gosh, you know, you went over to this family around the corner, I'm on purpose not naming their names because I can remember all of their names, and you ate real Mexican food. You know, when they wanted different Mexican food, of course we went to Taco de Carlos or something, but, but you know, what they ate at home was very different from what you ordered at the drive-thru. So we got the taste of the culture. We went to the Hawaiian house. It's like, where did this kind of food come from, right? Because that's the only family on the street that likes Spam. <laughs> but when you looked at them, oh my gosh, they were so, there were two families, uh, two Hawaiian families. So you, oh, I have to have a Hawaiian name and we have to do this. It, and, and it was fabulous. It was absolutely wonderful. And the high school I went to, was the same way. We learned bigotry. We learned prejudice. Because as a whole, we dealt with each other as, wait for it, Californians. <laughs> Americans. Southern Californians. There is a distinction between Northern California and Southern California. We were Southern Californians, okay? And, right. and though I was raised here in Northern California, but I lived down there, so I said, see, I am from the South, okay? And um, we dealt with each other according to likes and loves, not according to culture, but we learned culture, okay? You'd be surprised at some of the foods that I, I, I'm familiar with that you would think, no, seriously, it's like, yes. And we do the whole neighborhood, this is, y'all heard me tell the stories of living on a street where all the kids kept saying, the food at our house is not as good as at their house. And they were talking yeah. about what my mom cooked. And that's why the, the families were like, um, okay, the families that stay together, we'll just, everybody cook. So we, it wasn't a luau per se, but mom did things with pork. The Hawaiians were like, no, this is what I'm talking about right here. <laughs> and, and they did things with things. And so the whole neighborhood from our street and then the street around the corner, because we had, you know, it was right around the corner and we all would come together. But our upbringings were very different. 
but we learned the respect of it. Now, why is that important? Because in the kingdom of God, it's not what you are on the outside. It's not how you feel. It's not how you look to people. It isn't even about your ethnic background because all of that is stripped away when you come into him. And even when he told her, woman, the day's coming, when the place, the authentic place, the, the official place where you're supposed to go in order to meet God, that's going away. The, the, the idea that you have to be of a certain ethnicity in order to be a, eligible for a relationship with God, that's going away. The idea that your gender is what, what matters to you and he won't be able to relate to you if you have wrong gender, wrong skin, wrong culture, going away. Because the equalizer, the common denominator or the uncommon factor will be Jesus Christ himself. It, there is no Korean church. There is no black church. There is no Mexican church. There is no all of these things that we like to phrase it as because if that is so, then what we just said is we are divided. It's not so. The Bible says, the Bible says, that we all meet in him, and in him is formed one new man. Not a sprinkling of little guys. Okay? We're coming to this. So he said, you worship what you do not know. That's verse 22. Underline it. You worship what you do not know. You worship what you do not know. When you worship according to religion, when you worship according to tradition, as opposed to, I worship him because, oh yes, because he's so good and all of that. But you know what really gets genuine release of praise and, and words of, of intimacy and the tears and things? It's when he's talked to me. It's when I've had time with him and he talks to me. That's really when I worship him. It's when he looks at you and he tells you how precious you are to him. And you feel this thing leave you about performance. I've got to be good in order for God to love me is not written in the word of God. It's not true. I have to be purified before God will love me. That is not true. I have to jump through hoops in order to get him to see me or to hear me. Again, not true. Are there things that we must do? Absolutely, absolutely. But before we can get to the duties, you've got to take on the relationship. You have to take on the identity that he is giving you. We're going to deal in the last part of what we talk about tonight about being spirit, all right? This is a great foundation introduction, and we just flow with it. Okay. He said, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Now, that verse right there has people thinking, so if I'm not a Jew, I can't be saved. So I've got to know all the Hebrew words. I've got to know this. I've got to know how to say Baruch, Atah, Adonai, et cetera, et cetera. I've got to know how to, um, no, you don't. It's neat when we learn it, mm -hmm. 
but that's not what's required because that's not that's not the kingdom of God. We're not we're we're he he didn't call us to come into religion. He called us to come into the kingdom. The word that is the the thing that Jesus talked about more than anything else and anytime he released healing or did anything else, he always always talked about the kingdom. In my father's kingdom, in my father's house, this is what goes on in the kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. This is the place that we all come. This is the place where we all meet. This is our source of power and the source of truth and the source of unity is in the word of God, which comes from the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Okay. All right. So the hour, he said, is coming and is now here, verse 23, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit, okay, and truth. Now, both of those words actually speak to reality. The truth being seen is, is, is truth is, is um, also, you can look at it as being how we look at the word uh, manifest. Truth, true life is what he's talking about. You're going to worship the Father in the life that the Father provides. You're going to come to a place where you'll no longer be outside of him in order to worship him, but he will be in you and you will be in him. And that will be the place of worship. It's a place that you're going to come. Truth is a destination in the spirit realm. It is the place where God is. I want you to think about this differently because you're coming into an inner sanctum, a sanctuary, a place. He said you would worship in a place. He said, but it's not going to be this place and it's not going to be this place. You're going to come to a different place. You're going to come to a place that the Father provides that you can't find on earth. You with me now? Yeah. Okay. Who's eligible for this? Whosoever it is that the Son of God abides in because the place is opened up from him, from within not just within you and your physical body, no, within spirit. Because this is a spirit-to-spirit -spirit conversation. That's what he said, because he said before that, he said the wor true worshipers, true worshipers, he didn't say the fakes. He didn't say the performance people, okay? He didn't say the good eggs, okay? The ones that want to be, you know, we're good little Christians, the performance-oriented, uh, what is this, well, I said that I was, I was uh, works oriented and all that kind of stuff, coming in on the behavior modification plan, doing every, everything right. That's not true worship. That's just doing a whole lot of steps, all right? Precision, step by step, following the rules. No, that's not it. It's not following the rules. Say it, it's not following the rules. It's not following the rules. It's following the spirit. It's following the spirit. Not just any spirit, but the Holy Spirit. It's not following the rules. Your belief in God, your, your existence in the kingdom, is not based upon rules. It is the rule of the Spirit of God. In other words, it's kingdom. It's a powerful reign of the king. It's not how I feel about it that body of emotions, okay? All right, so here he said, you're going to, the true worshipers, let's go back up again. Verse, uh, let's just, just for reference, I wanna flip back and forth for you. Verse 20, you all say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. We worship on this mountain. You say you gotta worship in Jerusalem. 
okay? And he said, no, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in the Jerusalem, those are not going to be the places where you worship the Father. Not if you're going to be a true worshiper. Well, then where are we supposed to go? Do we have to buy tickets? Do you have to wear a mask? What's the rules of engagement to be able, do you have to, how am I going to get there? I mean, is it six degrees of separation? Are we going to have to socially distance? How are we supposed to, what if they tell us that we're not supposed to sing? How am I going to worship God? Oh, child, stop it already. <laughs> Okay, everybody laugh. Come on. Ha, la, 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 la. Yes. <laughs> yes, laugh at you. You know, because if you actually held up a mirror and looked at that person, it's like, you know, you just said that last week. <laughs> or whenever you said it, laugh at this because you see, joy is a part of the worship. He really likes you. Who? You. Whoever the you. Who's sitting in your seat? Who is sitting in your seat? Okay, whoever's sitting in your seat, God really likes you, that person. Now you look around. Is somebody else sitting in your seat? You think, oh, he likes her. Well, is she sitting in your seat? No. Well, then who are we talking about? If they're sitting in your seat, then who am I talking about? I'm not talking about going to the bathroom and coming back and they're sitting in your seat. I was sitting there until Leslie came, and then she took my seat. This seat she can't take because it's the same seat. Isn't this fun? Yes. I think this is so much fun. So he says, no, baby, it's not going to be those places. Jesus didn't call her baby. Well, I did. Okay. I'm talking to you. Take it to 21st century, baby. Come out of the corner. Okay. All right. Everybody's seen Dirty Dancing or seen at least that excerpt. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Okay. All right. The hour is here. He said, the com it's coming. And you go, well, yeah, he said the hour is coming. And then he said, and it's now here. <laughs> All right. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in the place, not in Gip, uh, Mount Moriah or Mount Gibeon or this one or the other, not this mountain, not that mountain, not in Jerusalem, but the place where you will worship the Father is the place in spirit, and you will worship the Father in the place called truth. That's where you're going to worship him, and he wants you to come. That's what he said. For the Father seeks such to worship him. Who? those that want to connect to him as he created them to connect. Everybody's got a chance at this. And you don't have to ever sit there and worry like, well, I was going to worship him, but then somebody else started to worship him. And I figured since they were worshiping him, he probably wouldn't hear me worship him. Well, actually he would. He heard you complain, so he'll hear you worship. <laughs> Okay, I am not, I am not a body of emotions, which means that you no longer have to hold on to self-pity. It's not your identity. If I'm not a bunch of emotions, and there's a lot of emotions I feel that I thought was me, that it's not actually me, because I'm a spirit. How do I know? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. He said, because God is a spirit. Verse 24, and those who worship him must worship him the same way that he is in the places that he's provided your flesh your emotions can't get you there I was crying I was weeping I was feeling sorry for myself really and I kept trying to reach out to God because I, of all that I was feeling and he finally answered me he answered you when you switched over to spirit 
because you can reach a place where you first you're faking it and then you get to that place where you hurt so bad if you've ever been devastated by something and it feels like it hurts you to the piercing of your heart and you cry to cry of such brokenness you transitioned from flesh to spirit because the cry of your heart cannot be imitated nor can it it, it, it can't actually be felt because you feel like you've broken. But what really happened is that your spirit started to cry out and he hears you. Don't mean that he's blood, um, deaf to the conversations and the things that go on, but it's when you get into the spirit realm that you start to get him involved in things that even affect your natural life. I did not say, and I, I would be wrong, if I were trying to say that God is not interested in our physical life, of course he is. It's the house that we live in, it's the earth suit that we walk in, and it's the place where we, where, if you will, it's a seat where in the earth, it's a seat in the earth where our authority comes from. So absolutely, he is concerned. But what he did not create us to do is to live from this low level. He created us to live from spirit, right? So the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Verse 24 is what I really wanted to get to, and we did, but um, this conversation, go to the next slide, please. I think it should be there. Um, yeah, God is spirit. So that was the whole point of, of what we just said. Now, let's talk a little bit more about that, because I have conversations with people where I say, you're going to have to learn to live from what you really are. and stop living from how you feel. Because you keep getting wrong information based on emotions. I feel fearful, okay? I feel afraid sometimes. I can understand that you feel afraid, but do you run after the fear? Do you let the fear drive you in a direction of living that you weren't called to? You see, because we follow emotions. Anybody ever call yourself in love? And let me say it the right way. Love, as in love with him, you know? And he, this is usually as a teenager. Some people know because they married him, you know, from that, so I may not be talking to you. But we, we thought, I, I was very shallow. Say shallow. shallow. Okay, so don't judge me by what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> I was in love with this boy. I fell in love with three boys in the same summer. Now the third one I really loved. The second one I loved until I met the third one. And the first one I didn't love at all, but I liked the fact that he liked me. So why did you fall in love with any of them? I liked boys that liked me. That was the only real criteria I had. If you like me, I like you, okay? That was it, shallow, get that? I was also 15 years old at this time. Now, there were a lot of love songs that were playing. And depending on what love song played, you know, that's your song. That song just speaks to your emotions. That song just tells everybody who you really are. That song is expressing. My neighbors down the street, as I told you, about that same time, because one of the aunts from the Philippines, her husband was still there and she was, here, so there was a, a song that they played over and over again. Um, 
And the words were, when will I see you again? <laughs> so that's all you kept hearing. And every time you heard it, you were sad. Why? Because he's not here. And then you know, there other, the love I lost, um, <laughs> endless love, we're broken heart, you know. Um, uh, where, how, how can you mend a broken heart? Because um, they played oldies. These people played old songs. You know, how can you mend this broken heart? And so there's a lot of sighing that goes on. So I had these songs they were playing, you know, in, the, in these days of me being in love. And the first one, I loved him because I thought he was really cute and he was tall and everything. And then one day we were sitting there after we bought ice cream and somebody said something funny and he threw back his head and he laughed and he had the ugliest teeth I'd ever seen. <laughs> and we broke up that night. <laughs> Shallow. Now, and a hypocrite. And a hypocrite. I was shallow and a hypocrite. These are my standards. You don't use your sta my standards against me. Talking about you don't like the way my body looks, you need to go. I can judge you, but you cannot judge me. Shallow. Shallow. Second boyfriend, who was a friend of the first, because I like to live dangerously. <laughs> I was 6'15", feeling my power. Okay. I'm a pretty girl. <laughs> Are you catching this? Okay. But what's happening with my emotions? They're fickle, but I'm starting to live by them. Why? Oh, because my backstory is about how I had been abused or this and this and this and this. So I have developed a personality that protects me from that, we think, right? So we go on and we go on and... And then he's kind of like, you know, okay, I'm 15, but I'm staying a virgin. So all you could do is kiss really a lot, because we weren't going in any alleys. <laughs> I'm staying pure, Roger. <laughs> that wasn't his name. But uh, okay, do you understand? So all you could do is kiss real hard. Well, he had a broken tooth. <laughs> and one night we're sitting on the steps. Sound familiar? And he starts to laugh, and I look in his mouth. We broke up two weeks later. The third one I fell for. He didn't look like the other two, and I checked his teeth. There's a point to this. Is there any spirituality to this? Wait and see. Yes, there is. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so the third boyfriend comes along. Now, the difference between him and the other two was he had a 10-speed. <laughs> he had a bicycle. Nobody had a car, but he had a 10-speed bicycle. And he had muscles. And he wore tank tops. And then he sat on the steps next to me, and he was eating a fudgesicle. And he said, you know, when you turn those eyes on me, my ice cream melts. I got the power to melt your ice cream, baby. <laughs> and my emotions went out to him, and I loved him. 
I didn't even, I didn't know him. <laughs> I didn't ever get to know the guy because I had to go home. So we left. That was in Chicago at this time. We left Chicago and we came back home. And for six months, I was just mournful because of the love I lost that I left behind. <laughs> Every time I ate a fudge sickle, I thought of him. <laughs> God. No. Okay, I have totally destroyed the second, the back row. All right, now, what am I really telling you about? I'm telling you about how I learned to live from emotions, and as I grew older, that was a, a basis, if you will, a foundation for all the loves that I had that were not loves at all. Okay? They weren't. And I would... I, this was my, this was not the wisdom of parents. This is not the wisdom of the word of God. You know, this is, all you got to have is a 10 speed and a fudge sickle and a good line and I think you got me. Right? So as I got older, I'm following this path. Well, I'm talking about silly things like, you know, little boy-girl relationships. But can you see how being prone to that, uh, you can bring me any kind of message you want to. And if it feeds my emotions, if it feeds my ego, if it feeds the broken parts of me, and you tell me this and this and this and this and all these things that are built upon how I feel, you're not giving me truth because the gospel is not about how you feel. And the kingdom is not built. We don't speak this message. This is why people get so upset over a kingdom message because we don't cater to emotions. You're not your emotions. But I'm thinking I'm a love-lorn person. I'm thinking that this is how I am. I'm thinking that I'm very dramatic. I'm thinking that, this, that, that I have to feel a certain way because I've got to have chemistry with the guy in order for me to be able to love him properly. And he's got to be able to do da-da-da-da all of these different things and that becomes a standard that's still in me when I come become born from above that I bring into the body and so I'm looking for a good Christian husband that's based upon my past experiences and that's how you can see a lot of people have issues I'm looking for this experience with God that connects to the way and I'm gonna worship God based on how he makes me feel and if I'm not feeling it, then I'm not giving it. And what will we say? Because I don't really feel it, it wouldn't be honest. And that's probably one of the biggest lies you told yet. Because you've never been honest as long as you've lived according to how you feel. You've always been manipulated or maneuvered according to the actions of other people. And when you come into the body of Yeshua, the actions of other people cannot hinder you from loving them forgiving them, releasing them, and walking in love toward them, even when they treat you bad. Can you see that? Yeah. Yes. But if I base it on those three boys and three others that I could name, okay, still shallow. Now I'm with somebody, but he's actually ugly in the daytime. <laughs> Not at night. At night, he was really groovy. In the daytime, mm-mm. 
He broke up with me at night because, well, he broke up with me in the daytime because he showed up when I told him not to. Don't come over my house during the day. I did not remember these stories. I don't know. I mean, honestly, these have not been in my head. These have been a lot of years ago. But evidently, this is going to help you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Kingdom Conversations was all about PL's past life. Yeah. Okay. But we still have a point. Because appearances matter. And we want to have a gospel that looks good to people because we have to be seeker friendly. So don't come to the church during the day when we're doling out doses of ugly. Only come when it's gonna be pretty or at least it'll be so dark you won't see. But our church is never shrouded in darkness, you see. So we're trying to eliminate the darkness altogether. Got it? And truth is not, it is not pretty in the eyes of those that are used to lies. Yes. Wow. That's right. Okay? The stark truth requires you to do some work. Now I'll go back to what I said before. Healing, okay, belongs to us. And we give things a measure. You get the things from the spirit but you're so used to living flesh that if when spirit shows up, it doesn't show up in a form that you understand. And so it gets rejected. I'm healed. Somebody prayed for me or released a word over me and instantly the symptoms left my body and so I know that I'm healed. Why? Because I feel good. And then you go home and something happens, uh, you exercise too much, you do something because you're feeling so great you overeat and now you're throwing up and so you think oh my god the sickness has come back it couldn't possibly be the 19 pieces of pizza <laughs> or the sugar thing that you went on right it couldn't be that no no you are so used to the symptoms of sickness that when they show up because you're walking in health but you're walking in stupidity or something then what you do is you attribute it to oh it must have gone away and what you just said is that what God did wasn't of a lasting quality. It can easily be taken away from me. As soon as the sickness comes back, God's healing power failed. Because you're used to feeling a certain way. And you, if you don't feel it, it must not be so. That's the education that your emotions give you. But when your spirit, okay, I said, he loves you. And some people have broken through the barrier. So we're like, yes, Jesus loves me. I know it, I know it, I know it. And we mean it. But others haven't gotten there yet. And you say it, and it just falls like, 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 a, like water on a rock, baby. It doesn't penetrate anything because of all of the stoniness of heart, because of all the pain that we've been through, because of the reasonings that we have come up with. If God really loved me, then why did he allow such and such to happen, this one to leave me, this one to steal from me, this one to do all of the above, this one to replace me with a younger model or an older model or a different model altogether, okay? Um, if he really loved me, he wouldn't have, and this is when we start saying things like this, he wouldn't have taken this from me as if he did 
You see, that's the thing about God that you've got to know. He doesn't take anything from you. You give it to him. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He said, I came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. So no, he doesn't take, well, God took this from me. No, he didn't. No, he did not. You're going to have to show it. In the Bible, where does it say that he took it? It says he took my sicknesses, my sins, my infirmities. He took those things upon him. But it does not say he took my fun, he took my joy, he took my Kool-Aid, he took my boyfriend, he stole my kids. No, he didn't. He did not. That's the sin in the world that if you go to God, he'll teach you how to get it back whenever possible or move past it when it's not. He points out the things that happen to us so that he can strengthen us and show us what to do, not to fault find with you and tell you you're a little worm and a bug and I'm smashing you now. The devil does that. God does not. You can't find it in this word. If, if God did that, Jesus would have, you'd have to see Jesus do it. Because he said, whatever, when you see me, you've seen the Father. So where in the word of God do you see Jesus slapping people around and telling them you're a dirty dog? The only ones he ever spoke against were the religious spirits operating through the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the religious leaders. He said, because you are misleading these people, and you are telling them lies, and this is not who the Father is. That's what he fought for. But he never told them. If he's not going to tell a woman stripped naked and thrown into the street, you're the biggest hole I've seen since I got here. Oh, look at her. She's naked. This is ridiculous. He never said any of that. What did he say to her? He said, where are they that condemn you? She said, is there anyone? He said, is there anyone here to condemn you? She says, there's no one, Lord. He said, well, I'm not going to do it. They brought you to me for me to condemn you, but I'm not going to do it. So if you don't see Jesus doing that, then you can't say God does it. Because Jesus said, my, I only do what I see my father do. So even in our sins, he doesn't condemn. He convicts, which is to say truth just came to show up in the face of the sin that is holding you captive. And the battle, you think, oh, this is my battle against sin. No, this is truth and righteousness coming to rescue you from it. That's not how he rolls. When your flesh, you think things like, I come to church, and you may be here today, I don't know, and you're going, she's just talking about me, talking about me, talking about me. When did I sit down and talk to you about this? Do you see what I mean? But the Holy Spirit was there. And he said, I want, I want, to, you, I want you to hear it from somebody that has not had this conversation with you because I want to have this conversation with you because I want to free you. I want you to recognize the value that I put on you through the blood of Jesus. And I want you to understand that you have a far better life to live. Okay? You have a far better life to live than you think you do. How about that? Do I have any questions before I go on to the last part? Anybody? Use the mic, please. The key to finding that place in the spirit to worship God. The key? Okay. His word is a really good place. Here he said, 
The hour is coming and is down here. So I can move past the hours coming. Lord, the hour is here. When a true worshiper will worship you in spirit and truth. You know how we do the soaking. You come into our house, those who come in on Sundays from 10 o'clock to 10.45. You'll see a lot of people that are sitting quietly and there's music that's playing. And we are all with eyes, many of us are with eyes closed. And we are, um, we're in a place of uh, talking to him, right? Mm -hmm. Listening to him. That's a very good entry place because it's a place where I'm sitting down. You know, some people call it soaking. Some parts of it, the Holy Spirit is moving things out of us, uh, getting hard-crusted things. Sometimes it's like soaking in a tub, and you can soak the aches away. Sometimes it's like being a sponge and absorbing him or being out in the sun and letting the heat of the sun feel like it penetrates your bones. But in every aspect of soaking, it's never about you. It's about him, and then he makes it about you by what he says. Are you with me there? Okay. So the key to it is to stop looking for rules and to start listening to him. And when he tells you something about yourself, believe him and give him thanks. And as you start dwelling on the things that the God of the universe would talk to me, how privileged are we? You think about who we could follow. I had this conversation with someone earlier today. I could still be out there in that shallow world, living that life. Actually, I'd be dead, let's just be honest. Because I got dumber every year. I got, because I went through um, rapes and molestations and robberies and, and, and things of this sort as well, I was on a path of destruction because it would lead to what? Emotions that overwhelmed. To, I got to places of darkness within myself where I just wanted to die. And you deal with, it, it, this tries to attack you no matter what, your sense of worthlessness. I'm just a this, I'm too this, and I'm too this, or I'm not enough of this, and I don't have this, and the last person that got rid of me, or, and, and I'm so used to that from, because I believe that I'm my emotions. I believe that I am my emotions. I believe that I am the sins that I commit. I believe that, that that's my identity. That's what happens until truth comes. You think that you are your last mistake or your last failure. You think that that's you, that identifies you. It does not identify you. That's something that happened to you. It's not you. Can you understand what I'm saying? You are a spirit. You are not an emotion and you are not a circumstance. And you are not the last sin or the last mistake that you experienced or made. You're not that. That's not who you are. That's something that happened to you or that you caused to happen or whatever it was. Somebody rejected you and so you think that you're, you're worthy of rejection. That is a lie according to God because the Bible says and I'm going to send you on your own tri um, trip to find these things but I, I'll tell you Ephesians you are accepted in the beloved he says I accept you you keep looking whoever you are that I'm speaking to you keep looking for reasons to exclude yourself as though your sin is so tremendous that God is not big enough. And that's based upon 
habit of living according to how we feel. Right? Yes. Okay. I'm good or I'm bad. What? Where do you get that? I'm a good woman. I'm a bad woman. I'm a good person. I'm a bad person. You either spiritually alive or you're dead. Because you're spirit. Okay? I'm connected to either true goodness or I'm connected to pure evil. Because I either serve God or Satan. Even serving myself is serving the devil. Because that's his mojo. His mode of operation even. Satan says, serve, I serve myself. The Bible says, Jesus said, I came to be a servant. Satan said, I ain't going to be nobody's servant. You're going to be my servant, but I ain't going to be your servant. But the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and Satan always conspires to try to destroy the truth of God in the minds of God's people. And as long as God's people live as human, meaning a body of emotions, a flesh-oriented person that follows those ways and seeks to be self-made, then they're going to fall for this deception. But much of worship starts by actually choosing to believe the truth mm -hmm. and not getting off of it. He says you're healed. But I don't feel healed. That's got absolutely nothing to do with it. You're looking at your healing from flesh instead of from spirit. The fight of faith, you, I, I felt something, I felt the electricity, God healed me and so forth, and you went with that, but what you didn't do was take it. And what I mean by that is take it to the place that you put it in the face of the sickness and disease and say, I am the healed, that, this, that, that I have this thing, that he gave me this thing, and no matter what the feeling is that comes, it's like, nope, you don't get to stay because I've already told you what I am. And it's not an overnight thing. Because most of us are not in the habit of simply saying these things. Or we or we we still feed off of old stuff instead of continually washing. Anybody ever really want to live with somebody that took a shower in January but they're gonna wait until the end of the year? No. Before any soap and water hits them again? <laughs> There's not a mask on the planet that's gonna help you. Right? Because you got to keep renewing. In the script, it is a scripture. The Bible says, I have to renew my mind. Even the things I know, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, we'll go get it again. Yeah. Eat it again. Anybody eat any time at all this year? <laughs> yeah. Going to eat again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. If you're going to eat physical food, eat spirit food. Yeah. Okay. Sushi, good for you. Okay, chicken, barbecue, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is you're going to eat, I'm, I ate it, and I'm going to eat again. This is not going to be my only time. I'm going to receive the word, and I'm going to receive it again. And I've got it in this area, but I need to renew it in this area because I didn't get everything. I got enough to get started. I didn't get enough to finish. It's about pressing. It's about finishing. It's about trusting to the place where I break through this thing to the place that it's no longer a fake anything. This is so real to me, you can't take it from me. 
He's so authentic to me. There's no way you're going to come and tell me that I'm not healed. There's no way you're going to tell me that God um, said, I'm going to steal your family from you, that God's going to do this. And well, he allowed certain things. It's like you are still, and I'm going to tell you this. Well, he still allowed it, and you are ignorant about what you say. How do I know? Because of all the anger. Give it to him. Give it to him. He won't just take it. Give it, because he's not a thief. He's not a thief. He will take it when we give it. He will take it when he wants. Why give? Because it's a submission. And what does submission do? It makes him Lord. It points to him as Lord. I bowed to him by saying this anger that I feel, this overwhelming sense of sadness, this bitterness towards the way this man or woman or job or company or whoever it is treated me. You cannot live your whole life as a victim. Well, you can, but why? Here's our privilege, and I'll close with this. Oh, yeah, I'm over time, sorry. Y'all sucking this one up like straw. But, uh, okay, <laughs> do you mind if I go just a little bit longer and I'll finish it, okay? Here's what I want you to understand. You could be out there still living the life or whatever it was that you did before Jesus. And it might not have been a bad life. It might just have been an ordinary life, but you would have been thinking that you were limited to what is in your circle. You can only live this way. You can only see things this way. You can only talk to this group of people. You will never be able to step outside of these boundaries. And you will continually feel and feel and feel. One day I feel good, another day I don't. One day I'm this and the next day I'm this. And you'll feel this and you'll feel this and you'll keep paying a price for living here. Being extract, your life being sucked out of you, being extracted by a terroristic dark <laughs> spirit, a demon. Or you can have someone who is created possessor of the heavens and the earth, who loves you so much that they want to engage in conversation with you. One is going to tell you how horrible you are. One is going to tell you how much he loves you and what he's put in you and what he'll take from you if you'll give it to him and how he'll grow you and come and spend time with me in this garden or come and spend time with me in this place of prayer. I want to tell you how, what the plans that I have for you. I've written books about you. I've written about your life to tell you the plans, the things that you can accomplish. I gave you the certain type of brain power or the ability to weave or to, to sew or to, to, to do whatever it is to, to solve problems, to, to solve complicated mathematical things, to create new things. I've given you all this, and I want to give you all things that pertain to the super abundant life and power. I want love to flow through you. I want joy to flow through you not artificial not like the world gives it I don't want it to be something that you feel I want it to be something that you release and as you do you grow younger and more beautiful and you blossom male or female I made you a certain way I put you in a certain body because there are things that I'm going to pull from you your culture your background your this your experience your zest for this your zeal for this don't say that you have no passion don't say that you have no no I, I don't have any get up and go yes you do yes you do because if I'm in you you've got it because I have it and what I have is yours and what you have I get I'll receive from you see covenant I'm giving you who I am and receiving from you who you are in earth I live in you but in heaven you live in me and when you have problems in the earth 
you deal with it from the flesh, then you're going to deal with it a certain way. But if you will live from the spirit, then all you have to do is step back into me because I absorb you, living from spirit. And please, I, I, it's a little complicated, but I'm going to make this very simple. When I live in earth as I do in heaven, in heaven, I'm in him. In earth, I carry him because of the suit that I wear because I have flesh and blood and I live in the earth. So in the earth, he's still here, but he's in me. But whenever an issue comes, I don't look at it from the what I can do physically, hoping that I can generate Jesus. Instead, I remember, no, I'm spirit, and I live in a body, and that my place is in him. I'm hidden in him. And when I remember that, he comes to the forefront, even in the earth. He'll be seen through me, and I'll be seen as being in him. That's why he becomes my defender. He becomes my protector. He becomes my provider. He becomes my source for all things because I choose him that way. He's my king. He's my knight in shining armor. He's got something better than a 10-speed. But if I wanted a 10-speed, he'd have one. His teeth are great, perfect. The Bible says it. How beautiful are your teeth? Mine aren't even that great. But, oh, i got to have perfect teeth. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? He takes away the need to be a hypocrite. He takes away the need to be needy. He answers everything. He said, I got issues with my husband or my, my spouse because they're not saved yet. He's like, well, didn't I tell you if you believe on me that you and your household will be saved? Yes. Then why are you fretting what I'm not? Okay. I'm, I'm over time, so I need to stop. But I pray that answers questions for people tonight. Went in a different direction as always. Um, <laughs> we don't know where it's going to go, but we go with him and we give thanks to him. See, you can even give, how do I worship him over this? You know, because he spoke to each person here. I don't doubt that for a moment. He said something to you that you needed to hear. He's made a deposit in your heart that is going to be so helpful to you. And when you go home or you get in your car or whatever it is, you're going to reflect back on that moment, just that moment in time where he took a snapshot of you and showed you something about yourself or your life or something he wants to give you. Some of you, you're going to dare to believe that God wants to hear from you. And I'm encouraging you to talk to him. He wants to. Okay? All right? So for those, and we're um, ending this, and I believe we did not go live, but we tape recorded it. And so I pray that those of you that watch this as a later broadcast, that you'll receive this love that God has released to you in a day of turmoil, mayhap, but this is a time of miracles. This is a time when you're going to see the power of God like you haven't seen before. Don't underestimate yourself if you're part of the body of Christ. Don't underestimate the God that we serve. Just because things don't look like your emotions think they should. There's more coming in the spirit. And in the weeks to come, I want to talk about living as the spirit. And how that translates into life in the earth because what I'm not talking about is being an ethereal floater who floats away from reality. I'm talking about how we change the things that people call real to bring the reality of the kingdom yes. into the difficult places of life and seeing problems solved and seeing healings manifest and seeing miracles happen and finding yourself being transformed into the absolutely amazing person that you were put here to be. 
So thank you all for joining us that watch us later, and thank you all for this part. We are going to receive the tithes and offerings and all that, but I'm going to go ahead and sign off with this. So this is Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship at 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard in San Jose, California. I am Pastor Lindsay and Lee inviting you to join us on Sunday at 1045 a.m. for our Biblical Solutions for Life service. And if you happen to come at 10 o'clock, we're not in a, in a daze, but we are spending that time soaking in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Please come and join us at 10 o'clock and sit in the sanctuary and hear what he would have to say to you. We love you with God's astounding love, and I'll sign off for that and say thank you so much and good night.